Welcome to the American Outdoor News Podcast. We're here with Matt Boguslowski from the uh, Dallas Safari Club Hunters Care Program. How are you doing, Matt? Thanks for taking your time today. Oh, very good, Chris. Thank you for having me. Now, the Hunters Care Program is a conservation program created by Dallas Safari Club. Yes, sir. So Hunters Care, uh, the care standing for COVID anti-poaching relief effort. Um, okay. So kind of one of the big issues that have been going on, obviously, with, with COVID happening and given that a lot of anti-poaching efforts and conservation efforts are funded through Hunters Dollars going over to Africa is, um, and with the COVID uh, pandemic happening, people can't travel over. Um, so a lot of hunts and safaris have been postponed or canceled leading to obviously a decrease in, in available revenue for people to spend on things like anti-poaching. Um, so their fights, boots on the ground, don't didn't go away with COVID. It's actually just increased. So DSC and the foundation put together this, this care program um, where people can apply or people can go directly to the foundation and direct funds towards um, the operator or program of their choice. Okay, so... How much revenue has been raised for this program so far? Uh, well, combined efforts between DSC and the foundation is several hundred thousand dollars. And we're looking at uh, to date, I can I would have to crunch because we did some more grants today, but we're looking at close to over 17 million acres of habitat that we've secured um, wow. during this time. So it's, it's, it's a very relevant amount. We've we're maintaining, I think, over 400 anti-poaching scouts. And when you kind of look at the economic multiplier of, let's say, 4.5 people per household relying on that one person, you know, it just grows and, um, and grows pretty much. Now, is this uh, uh, centralized in one particular country or is it spread out across several? Uh, it's Right now, we're in uh, seven countries. So uh, Zimbabwe, Zambia. South Africa, Tanzania, Zimbabwe, Botswana, and Mozambique. So, but wow. applications are still coming in, and um, I think there's there's this, it's going to continue on. We don't have any. Um, we know that even as hunting kind of resumes, maybe later in the year, um, that that doesn't exactly mean that the problem is solved. So we we plan on keeping the the program up and running um, for quite some time, um, and as people. Uh, need help and assistance or if um, particular clients want to support, we'll be able to be there to provide them that avenue. Now, COVID has really hit everybody financially, but I, I would think uh, more significantly to areas that rely specifically on um, tourism or hunting or, you know, guides and outfitters must have uh, suffered a significant loss during this pandemic. They sure have. Um, you know, it's really interesting because I was actually in Botswana when everything was taking off and I got the last flight out. So it was interesting while I was there. Um, I saw a lot of the photographic operations just kind of close camps and fire everybody. But all the hunting operators maintained all their employees, maybe and laid off a few people or kind of did 50-50 or decreased pay. But um, I think that's just kind of the commitment that the um, a lot of the hunting operators that you'll see across the board and really everybody that I visited with, they said, you know, I put, let's say, 20 years into this area. I'm not going to let it kind of go to shambles just because of this and, and this difficult times. Um, so it's it's their, their commitment to conservation is ever present and clear. Now, tell me a little bit about the anti-poaching that this fund is 
um, sponsoring. Mm-hmm. So, what, I mean, is their is, main, what is their main job? Well, as in anti-poaching operations, you know, one of the biggest thing is to maintain a presence. So you're going to be looking at people, boots on the ground. They're either going to be doing walking patrols or they're going to be working in, in collaboration with a vehicle that's going around and maybe cutting tracks and everything. And when they find them, they'll maybe release the dogs or they'll put the guys on the tracks and let them go. And then the truck will go around and try and get ahead of them. And, you know, also it's not, you know, quote unquote, the sexiest thing, but walking through the bush and picking up snares because, you know, snares are one of the most indiscriminate killers. They are the most indiscriminate killers out there and gin traps. So, um, you know, if you find a snare line with a hundred snares, you know, that's equivalent to a hundred bullets in my opinion. So, but the only thing is that a snare once it's caught something, they can go and reuse it. Once you, you know, you spend that shell, it's, it's, it's done. So. Hmm. So they're getting a little more creative as time goes on, or how they're going to poach these animals. Yeah, it was definitely, I mean, you'll see, um, I mean, the, the poachers really know what they're doing. A lot of these are criminal syndicates um, that are well-versed, especially when you're dealing with ivory and, and rhino poachers and more in terms of, you do have people who are, you know, trying to do, you know, subsistence and, and that does happen. So you try and work with them and maybe employ them and say, you don't have to do this or, you know, where's your village? Let me help and go out to you guys and, and help so on and so forth. But uh, yeah, I mean, they know which way the animals are moving. So you'll see a lot of snare lines going toward, you know, if there's, let's say a little farm or something and the animals like to get in there, you know, they're going to set um, a, a snare line or they can do it um, towards a water hole or something. And, you know, um, the other fear is kind of as crops and property becomes extra important because source resources are limited is human wildlife conflict and people retaliating against wildlife. So it's really important, extra important for the operators and the anti-poaching teams to be boots on the ground. So, for example, if elephants come and raid a crop field, they don't go and try and poison them, for example, right? It's just working with the communities and making sure that they still see a value in wildlife um, and that the hunting operators are also there and understand these are challenging times. So, yeah. So since uh, this program began, you've created 400 plus jobs in four or five months. Uh, well, maintaining them. Um, yeah. So that was the kind of biggest thing, um, just maintaining jobs. And even, you know, a couple of the people that I've spoken with, they did have to lay off a couple of people, but they said, listen, you guys are back in business. Um, so they did uh, maintaining those jobs. And then, like I said, it's close to 16 million or over 17 million acres um, secured across seven different countries. So it's it's having a big impact and we're really proud of it. That's significant. That's a big number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, how many people on um, our side of the pond are involved with uh, running this program? Well, uh, so we have a committee um, comprised of the DSC, um, of DSC board members. And then really it's, it's myself and, and Corey Mason, the DSC executive director that are, you know, overlooking and doing all the wire transfers, vetting people and so on and so forth. And we provide our recommendations and, and operations kind of, procedures to the committee for them to kind of finalize it. And that's on the DSC side of things. And like I said, there's also the foundation, what the DSC foundation is doing is so people are able to make a 100% pass through to the operator of their choice or provide it to our general hunter's care fund, where we will expeditiously kind of put the money boots on the ground quickly 
um, as 100% pass through and people are able to direct it and then get a tax donation for it. So um, it's, it's kind of a, a benefit for those um, in the U.S. Obviously, they would like to send money to the people who they want to support, but here at least they get um, a tax deduction and they don't have to really worry super hard about the processing wires and everything. They can just jump on our website and do it. And um, is any of that planned for um, uh, other countries aside from the African nations? I, I know there's a big misconception that Dallas Safari Club is just uh, supporting safaris, but it's probably one of the largest conservation groups uh, in the world. They cover um, conservation here in the U.S. as well as overseas. Yes, sir. So this is aimed primarily at um, Africa and not that there aren't issues and challenges, but, you know, let's say you're uh, an operator in, in Canada somewhere like that and maybe you didn't have any clients in this year, but, you know, overwhelmingly when you come back into your area in next season, your game is still going to be there. Your, all of your timber wouldn't have been cut down and so on and so forth. Um, really the, the poverty levels in the situation in Africa is very difficult where, I mean, you're literally keeping people at bay from, you know, to mitigate poaching and so on and so forth. So, um, I, you know, I, I used to be a professional hunter and I did quite a bit of professional of anti-poaching in my day. Um, you can, within two months, you can lose an entire area and it'll take 10 years to rebuild. So, our kind of aim was let, let's make make sure things are up and running and and still operational and let's get these people through these trying times and and see it forward. Um, but you know we have been visiting and from a DSC and our advocacy side, we've been working with all of the U.S. professional hunter organizations and our exhibitors and our supporters and our sponsors and working with our other partners like Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. So if there's an issue, is let's make sure the hunting seasons remain open. This is how we're going to do hunting, you know, um, responsible recreation and so on and so forth. So our more initiative on the U.S. side is to, you know, maintain access and um, and make sure that hunting seasons remain open. Because, you know, I think that we're at like three months right now and people are starting to go loony <laughs> a little bit. So let's get yeah. them outdoors. Let's make sure they can get out there. Even as simple as be able to go out to your gun club or whatever it is, or if you want to hike or canoe. To keep the outdoors open, let's be smart about it, and, and that's what we've been pushing more on the on the U.S. front of things. Well, I speak to a lot of people, and you know, I know um, a lot of people that plan a yearly trip, or they have a TV show, or they have a, a, a video blog. Um, a lot of their destination hunts are canceled mm -hmm. or on hold, um, no. and. There's a huge ripple effect with that, not not just overseas with the outfitters. It's the um, the retailer, the uh, uh, you know the, the there's a whole ripple effect with it. No, it's it's tremendous. I mean, um, the impacts that you know the tourism and the and the hunting industry, you know, using Africa as an example. When I was again, when I was in Botswana now before I left, and COVID started shutting down, and flights stopped coming in, and so on and so forth. I was in Mound, which is a tourist hub. It's right in the southern part of the Okavango Delta, so a World Heritage Site and everything like that. And they do have hunting, but the overwhelming amount of tourists that come in there are photographic. But when that shut down, I mean, you saw a ghost town. I mean, literally happened. So, I mean, 
They need to be able to, you know, the butcheries, they need meat in camp, they need Coca-Cola in camp, they need gasoline, they need to buy equipment, so on and so forth. And there, and, you know, you can use Arusha in Tanzania, you can use Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe, Vintuk in Namibia and keep on going. Tourism is such a huge player. And in a lot of these countries, it's the, you know, one number one, top three economic uh, GDP producer for their country. So it's not just tourism. No, this is their lifeblood. Now, is there a specific area that's been hit harder than others? Um, I think the impact is, is really hit hard across the board. Um, I think, well, now, you know, Tanzania's hunting season opens tomorrow. And uh, Tanzania, sounds, it looks like they were able to contain things fairly well. So, and they worked well with the government to, for them to be able to open and everything. And the hunting season starts tomorrow. I know several Americans who, you know, got on flights yesterday and the day before and are flying over to, you know, to, to start their hunt. So that, that's obviously great for them. Um, and now it's just very kind of a country by country approach. Um, you know, one of the countries that always breaks my heart, Zimbabwe is one of my favorite places in the world. And they've just over the last few decades had a lot of challenges. And this has definitely been a, an added burden on them. Um, this is, you know, things are starting to look promising and so on and so forth. It was kind of a kick for them. Well, I know most of the positions uh, for, for on the DSC side are volunteer positions. Um, so a lot of people in the organization are donating their time to um, preserve our future uh, as far as outdoorsmen, sportsmen. No, definitely. I mean, what we, um, DSC wouldn't be what it is without our, our volunteers. You know, we call them the DSC 100. That's what it started as, but it's actually, I think we're like the DSC 470 by now. Um, and, you know, the, the time and effort and energy that they contribute to the club in, in terms of convention and a, a dozen other aspects, um, even right now as we speak, you know, convention planning is going on and those committees are, are, are blowing and going and, you know, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without the funds raised at conventions. So each one of our, our, um, our volunteers and even each one of our staff members, whether they have anything kind of to do in terms of policy or so on and so forth, I say, I tell them, you know, and Corey and I tell them, you make conservation happen. Um, so it's, it's really important. And I think it's a unique um, aspect of DSC because it really, I think, drives home um, a very kind of unique bond with our membership and our volunteers to the organization that they're so committed and endeavored to it. Well, I know the Dallas Safari uh, Club Convention is a, a, a huge part of their uh, revenue source every year. Uh, is that still going to be um, happening this year or it's day by day? Well, we, uh, you know, the convention would be early next year. Um, right now, dates are January 7 to 11. And, um, you know, we're, we're planning convention. So we, we plan on it happening. Um, and unless, you know, Governor Abbott says that's not happening, then there we go. Um, but we're planning, we're planning for a convention. Um, I mean, obviously, we're going to be taking in all the, the safety considerations and, um, you know, anything that gets put off in the CDC and other specialists and, and whatnot into, into consideration and making sure they're implemented to have the, the safest convention and everything that we can. But I can assure you and rest assured that we're having a convention unless they block us from the, the convention hall. <laughs> well, I plan on being there as usual. And, uh, oh, great. you know, it's been growing exponentially over the past few years, which is fantastic to see. 
Uh, is there anything new planned for this year that we should uh, keep our eyes open for? You know, uh, a bigger and a better, you know, it's going to be different, but um, we're, we're gunning for a bigger and a better convention every year. Um, you know, kind of surprises. We, we want you all to get there and, and to see it. Um, and I hope everybody does come out. Um, but you know, you, like you said, you, you've been there plenty of times, but you know, there's, it's just a, I encourage everybody to come. There's an incredible energy in the hall when you get there that I don't think you see at a lot of other big trade shows and everything. Um, so I would just encourage everybody to come out and have a good time, bring the kids, expose them to the outdoors and, and, you know, do a little bit of shopping for yourself. And there you go. Yeah, it's just an excitement in the air when you go in there. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not just the outfitters and the taxidermy. There's um, uh, naturalists, their art, uh, their carvings, their sculptures. There's all kinds of things going on there, and it's there's always something new to see, and uh, it's always very exciting for me. I always love going to the show. No, definitely. It's great. I mean, we've got a, the whole one side, the right side of the convention halls, all the, the rifles and the custom gun makers and so on and so, so forth. Um, and I, you know, one of the greatest things is you, I think uh, you, there's just this feeling that you can walk up to anybody there at the, in the convention center and strike up a conversation with them and you're going to have something in common with them and you'll be able to get along. So, Yeah, everybody has that common thread, uh, mm-hmm. just being at the convention. We're, we're all there for a common course. Yes, sir. All right. Well, um, where can we make a donation? Where can we find uh, the care program? And, um, you know, how do we donate? Yes, sir. So if uh, you can jump on the DSCF um, website, which is dscf.org. And on the homepage in the top right, you'll see um, a Hunter's Care logo, you know, COVID-19 response fund, um, relief fund. You can click on there. And it'll, there's kind of the, the credit card application form, not application form, but, you know, the, the payment form. Mm-hmm. And um, if there's a particular operator or outfitter that you'd like to support at the very bottom, there's a place that you can designate it. And um, on there's contact information um, for Richard Cheatham, the DSC Foundation Executive Director. Um, if you have any questions, you can, um, you know, call our number or, or give him an email and uh, we'll be happy to help you in any way, shape, or form. If you don't want to do it by credit card or if you just want to learn more about it, um, you know, that's what we're here for. And that's our show for today. Thanks again for watching our American Outdoor News podcast. You could always go to AmericanOutdoorNews.com for more great interviews and stories. And remember, whether you're hunting the plains of Africa, hiking the Appalachian Trail, or uh, fishing the Sea of Cortez, American Outdoor News has it covered. Thanks again.